Lymphoma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the Lymphoma Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Chan Chia of the University of Western Australia in Perth, Australia. Hello, my name is Chan Chia. I'm a haematologist at Sir Charles Gardner Hospital in Perth, Western Australia. And um, I'd like to update you all about some uh, interesting data which is going to be presented at the upcoming American Society of Hematology meeting, which is taking place um, in New Orleans, and, and specifically um, highlighting some of the, the novel therapies which are active in patients with chronic lymphocytic leukemia. As you know, uh, non-chemotherapy strategies using covalent BTK inhibitors and venetoclax, which is a BCL2 inhibitor, have become widely used and uh, really are standard of care now across multiple lines of therapy. However, um, these treatments are not curative and for patients who experience uh, re relapse or progression following either venetoclax-based therapy or covalent BTK inhibitors, there is still significant unmet medical need. In terms of the um, novel therapies for, for this, um, we've got um, quite a few um, presentations which are taking place at um, the meeting. Um, in particular, um, these can be broken down into a number of different um, subclasses. We have got non-covalent BTK inhibitors, which are, bind, which are oral agents which bind to um, BTK in a uh, reversible fashion, but are non-covalent. And the leading example in this category is called pertobrutinib, previously known as LOXO305. We, we also are going to see a presentation from Anthony Mato um, about a, 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 a new type of BTK therapy, which is a BTK protein degrader. And he's going to be presenting some data on an example of, of this called NX2127, which combines BTK protein degradation with um, um, inhibition of um, Icarus-like Zimfactor 3 or, or IKZF3. Uh, in heavily pretreated patients with um, uh, largely with covalent and, and um, BCL2 inhibitor refractory CLL. Um, there, on, on the topic of BCL2 inhibitors, we are seeing some data about novel BCL2 in, in, inhibitors being presented as well. Um, Matthew Davids from Data Farber will be presenting on Lysaftoclax, which is a, um, a, a novel uh, BCL2 inhibitor. And um, uh, the... Uh, the uh, phase one, two study um, includes now around 140 patients um, treated with uh, both uh, lisaftoclax as monotherapy and also in combination with acalabrutinib and rituximab. The, uh, from what I've seen from the abstract, the, the data for this, this agent certainly appear promising with uh, reasonable response rates, no unexpected toxicity signals and um, the ability to be combined, combined with both acalabrutinib and rituximab without um, uh, leading to any unexpected um, problems and um, excellent efficacy. Um, I'll be presenting on BGB11417, which is another novel BCL2 inhibitor. Um, and the data that I will be presenting will be a combination of uh, both monotherapy uh, of this agent and in combination with zanubrutinib, which of course is a covalent BTK inhibitor. So we've treated um, quite a few patients with relapsed and refractory and trypanaive CLL um, now, now on this study, about 79. And we have seen um, a certainly um, encouraging response rates 
Um, BGB-11417 is um, more potent than venetoclax in terms of uh, BCL2 inhibition. And we have not seen significant GI toxicity. So the nausea and the diarrhea and things like that, which are seen at higher doses of venetoclax have not been a major problem so far. Um, the drug has been uh, active. We've, we've seen um, uh, very encouraging response rates and MID negative response rates. Uh, and when combined with xanabrutinib in the treatment-naive setting, we've seen excellent disease control with um, the vast majority of patients remaining on study. So um, this um, novel BCL2 inhibitor, BGB11417, certainly appears to be another uh, novel uh, uh, agent which will be useful for patients with, um, with CLL. And uh, our, our preclinical data suggests that this is going to have activity in, in venetoclax refractory patients as well. And a venetoclax um, exposed arm on this study is going to open soon. I, I mentioned pertobrutinib earlier, and pertobrutinib has been around um, now for, um, for a few years. And we the primary publication of the, of the LOTSO 305 study was now about a year and a half ago, I think, in, in Lancet. There, there will be a couple of um, interesting um, data updates for pertobrutinib at this meeting, including a, um, a, a longer follow-up on the 276 patients treated on the phase one, two Bruin study. Um, as you recall, patients were fairly heavily pretreated, three prior lines of therapy, and the excellent uh, response rates um, at around 74% and durability um, continue, to, um, continue to, to stretch out there. So the um, certainly the the use of non-covalent BTK inhibitors um, uh, appear to be um, a major advance in the treatment of, of patients who are refractory to drugs like abrutinib, acalabrutinib, and zanabrutinib, uh, and also venetoclax. And uh, I think it's um, very likely that we'll see um, some regulatory approvals for this agent soon. The the other thing that I'd like to highlight um, listeners' attention to is a uh, a slightly smaller um, arm of the Bruin study using pertobrutinib in a cohort of patients with Richter transformation. Now, of course, strictly speaking, Richter transformation is not CLL, but it is a, a complication of CLL and has a, a, a pretty uniformly um, adverse prognosis with uh, a median survival of around 12 months. And so certainly Richter transformation is a group of patients who are urgently in need of better, better therapies. Um, uh, so there, there will be a presentation of pertobrutinib in, in patients with uh, Richter transformation, uh, mostly uh, previously treated, although a couple of treatment-naive patients were included after a protocol amendment. A, a pretty large study for Richter's, I think we included 57 patients in this study with a median of two prior lines, and pertobrutinib was surprisingly active. The objective response rate was 54% with a median duration of response of about eight months. And um, more, more encouraging was that, like in other settings where pertobrutinib is used, the toxicity profile was very favourable and the uh, rates of um, grade three or higher adverse events were very low. Pertobrutinib is a very well-tolerated drug. Um, and although it doesn't appear to be curative, um, it certainly looks like it may be a useful strategy for patients who are often these patients are very sick. And um, I put a number of patients on this study who had very high tumor burden, explosive symptoms, and um, completely chemotherapy refractory. So, for a once a day tablet with a with a, a very 
favorable side effect profile, that kind of response rate is, I think, very encouraging and, and, and suggests that the pertobrutinib may, may be useful both in future combinations and as a potential bridge to uh, more definitive therapies like chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy or allogeneic stem cell transplantation. Um, so, of course, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the detail in all of these presentations, that is those which I'm not involved in personally, and uh, I, hope, uh, I hope everyone gets a chance to, to go through the data after the meeting. Thanks very much for your attention. Thank you for listening to the Lymphoma Hub podcast. We would also like to thank our supporters, Bristol Myers Squibb, Genentech, Insight, Pharmacyclics, Roche, Novartis, AstraZeneca, and Beijing. Lymphoma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.